Jeremiah 28, we are working our way through the Bible, started in Genesis chapter 1. We're all the way in Jeremiah chapter 28. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? Jeremiah 28. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful word, Lord, in the book of Jeremiah. Lord, just preparing this message just just plowed up my heart, Lord, and I just thank you so much for that. I just pray the same thing happens for everyone here this evening, Lord, as we are, as we continue to study about what your word says, really about your heart, your heart towards us, your heart towards the world. Lord, we we don't want to miss it. We came here to change. We came here to expose our hearts, Lord, to your word. And I pray for Everyone here this evening, Lord, for healing, for those who are hurting, for encouragement, for those who are in a season of discouragement, for uh, encouragement also for those who are in a season of victory as well. And Lord, a work of humility there as well, Lord. We want to leave you here praising you this evening, Lord, even as we're in this these chapters in Jeremiah in this very dark time in Israel's history, Lord. We know that even during the dark times of Israel's history, there's so much to, for us to learn, Lord. As we live today in, in, in many respects, a, a, a dark time, Lord. And just pray, Father, fill us with your spirit. Open our eyes, our minds to what your spirit is saying to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So verse 1 of chapter 28 says, And it happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azer, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me, this Jeremiah, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, and all of the people, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to the, this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. And as for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet came to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, 
Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Verse 12, now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, go and tell Hananiah, saying, thus says the Lord, you have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has sent you, but you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, says the Lord, behold, I will cast you, cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Wow. Okay. So verse 1 again says it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. I want to just put this timeline up here again uh, of the kings of Judah. Again, uh, it's, uh, we're, on Friday nights, we're studying about Saul as a precursor to the life of David. He was the first king of Israel, but after Solomon, the, the, there was a civil war. The kingdoms divided, and then uh, Israel in the north, they basically departed from God, became an apostate nation. They departed from the worship of Jehovah, worshiped the, eventually worshipped the Baals. But here, Judah, this is the line of the Messiah. If you could continue down there. So Jehoshaphat, Joash, Uzziah, keep on, you can keep on going. You can keep on going. Hezekiah, and then right there. So I uh, just want to, again, just uh, to remind you, can you guys see over the here? Sort of, ki kind of. So Josiah, this is when Jeremiah began to reign in the in the. Uh, began to prophesy in the reign of Josiah, Josiah being a good king. Then Josiah, Josiah died, and his son Jehoahaz uh, reigned for just three month, uh, months. And then the, the king of Egypt uh, yanked him away, and Jehoiakim actually uh, reigned for about here 12 years. And then he was deposed. Another king got in here, Jehoiachin. And right here in this time, I believe it's 597, that is when there was actually in, in 605 B.C. is when King Nebuchadnezzar, ruler of, of Babylon, first came in and invaded uh, Judah, carried some folks away. He did again in 597, and it's in 597 he carried more people away. He carried the princes, the educated people away, uh, but he left his own sort of puppet uh, king who was, um, I believe he was Josiah's nephew, if I remember correctly. But Zedekiah uh, was more uh, a sort of a puppet king of Nebuchadnezzar uh, took a made an oath to Nebuchadnezzar reigned for 10 years but during the time of uh, of Zedekiah false prophets would come and try to basically convince him to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar even though the bible's very specific and the prophets were very specific no I want you guys to, including Jeremiah, Jeremiah would tell Zedekiah, as he also told Jehoiakim, you guys are being punished. And when you get sent to the room punished by your parents, you got to stay in your room until the time of your punishment ends. And the same thing with the Lord, it's going to be 70 years. We'll read more of that in chapter uh, 29. 70-year uh, uh, exile, 
uh, in Babylon. And for those of you who are remaining here in Jerusalem, you just got to cool out. You got to submit to the king here. And uh, you just got to obey the Lord. And they would have none of it. So this guy here, Hananiah, was one of these false prophets who did not want to submit to the Lord here. And he comes in, in verse 2, in the presence of all the people. Now, if you remember from um, chapter 27, the Lord had Jeremiah make a bunch of yokes. Yokes are these things that they put you know, over oxen. And he made Jeremiah wear one, and he actually made him give to the, the leaders of, of Israel and other nations who were in a conspiracy with one another to rebel against uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, look, don't do it. Here's a yoke. And he actually made these guys wear these yokes. And he kept one on himself, and he walked around on it as a symbol so everyone would, he- uh, would see this sort of symbol of the prophecy, which is, look, you just got to submit to your punishment. This is what the Lord does with us as well. He'll have us in a, a season, may not be punishment, but a season of training, and he just wants us to cool out. He wants us to uh, just stay in, in sort of a season of discipline and stay just there, just where we um, are And so they would be going around with these yokes, and he still in, ha, has this yoke in chapter 28, and he's doing all this, he's prophesying this right there in the temple in Jerusalem. It's for everyone to see, the priests, the false prophets, all the people coming from um, all over the world, really, uh, coming uh, to them to see. And it says... He says in verse 2, this is a false prophecy, thus speaks the Lord of hosts. And you know, every time in the Bible, and there are frequent times where I see a false prophet doing this. Actually, Saul does that, this as well, King Saul, who was the first king of Israel who went bad. You'll see people use the name of the Lord for their own selfish gain, and they're doing it today. And so when you see just goofiness on Christian TV or you see uh, this person or that person says, the Lord told me to do this, the Lord told you that, or the Lord said this is going to happen, don't get discouraged. Like, uh, Don't get discouraged as if this was something new. It's been happening for thousands of years. So here's the, 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 this guy saying, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, He's misrepresenting the, uh, the, the name of God. He's, he's saying the name of the Lord in vain here. He says, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Not true. So this yoke that, that this wooden yoke that Jeremiah is like walking around and everyone's seeing, this guy is going, I've broken this yoke. I've broken it. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the, whole, of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. So he's actually giving a time limit here. He's saying within two years. Remember in, in, five, in 605 and 597, Nebuchadnezzar had come in. And, and if you remember when the, the, the temple was built, all the stuff Solomon made out of gold. I mean, there was so much gold. Remember what it said about the reign of Solomon? It says, you know, silver was as nothing. Silver was like dirt at that time. It was so inexpensive. Everything was made out of gold, including there was just so much gold and things which were uh, in the temple, uh, the sort of the instruments that they used to minister in the temple. The, the, some of the washing basins and the, um, the, the candlesticks and the, the, uh, the incense, the, uh, the ins- what do you call it, the thing, the, the poles that you use to burn incense, what are they called? What? Sensors, right, the very good, the sensors and, and other things like that. Everything's covered in gold. 
I, be, I believe the, the table of the showbread at that time, not when in the tabernacle, but in the temple, everything's just covered in gold, all taken away. This was a tremendous violation to the people, that their temple, the temple of God, that all those things were carried off, and they were carried off to the... Um, they were carried off to Babylon, which is 900 miles away. This guy's saying within two years, it's all going to be brought back. And verse 4, and I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. So uh, the son of one of the kings was actually carried off to Babylon. He's saying within two years, uh, he's going to be back here. And, he, and I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. And then... So he's saying this in front of Jeremiah. He's saying this in the presence of all the people. In verse 5, Jeremiah responds and says, Amen, which means so be it. I hope, I hope what you're saying is true. May the Lord do so. May the Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who carried away. And so he's saying, look, I, I hope, that happens. And then he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of, of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. And as for the prophets who prophesied of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass... The prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. So if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, this is really a reference to the book of Deuteronomy where Moses said, really, really simple. If someone comes to you and says that a it says he's a prophet and a certain thing will come to pass, well, if it comes to pass, he's a prophet. If it doesn't come to pass, he's not a prophet, and you need to stone him. Now, they also said, by the way, if what he says comes to pass, but he is luring you away from the Lord, he's not a, a, a prophet. It's, it's one of these things that we read in the New Testament that you know, Satan can be counterfeit miracles to draw people away. So uh, this is all in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is a reference in verse 9 to Deuteronomy where Moses just said, Look, people will come up, to, come up to you. They'll say they're prophets, but you've got to test the prophecy. And Hananiah, it's probably true that in verse 6 and 7, he's being sarcastic here. Uh, Hananiah comes, yanks the wooden yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, and he breaks it. And so remember, this yoke was, the, the, was supposed to represent, we're supposed to keep this thing on, this yoke. It's the yoke of, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar. And we're just supposed to submit to this time of discipline that the Lord has us in. And he broke this. And he says, even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And uh, then the word of the Lord comes to, to Jeremiah and uh, as in verse 13, he says, go tell this guy, you've broken the yoke, uh, the yoke of wood, but you have made in their place a yoke of iron because the people would eventually rebel because they were going to rebel. Eventually, we'll see them rebel. And, and because they did, Nebuchadnezzar was going to come in here um, right there in, in 587 and just wipe out everything and destroy the temple. And then the yoke would be a yoke of iron rather than a yoke of wood. And then he says to him, to Hanani the prophet, here now the Lord has not sent you, but you made this people trust in a lie. You know, it's a, it's a solemn responsibility to get up in front of people and teach the word of God. And there are many people today teaching there's no such thing as eternal judgment. And when you think of the... Think of... Just compare, compare the two here. These people... 
there were, this guy Hananiah, he was given a false prophecy which would result in, in unbelievable slaughter and misery. Why? Because a man of the cloth, so to speak, lied to them about what God was really saying. He said in verse 2, thus, speak, thus speaks the Lord of hosts. And people are like, oh boy, I better believe this. This is a prophet who is saying this. And, and uh, they believed him and the place was wiped out. People were killed. People were, uh, you know, dragged away uh, in, in this type of, of thing. And, and entire, the, the, the city was basically uh, flattened. But imagine that the same thing where people get up and speak, there is no such thing as eternal judgment. Jesus is not the only way. Just that same kind of judgment, I believe, against people, pastors, priests who are teaching this today. You make this people trust in a lie and the ramifications of them believing in that, that this lie are, uh, are eternal. And he says in verse 16, Behold, I w- therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. Rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year and the seven months. So Hananiah said within two years, uh, you will see the vessels of the Lord brought back from Babylon. You'll see Nebuchadnezzar overthrown. You'll see the prince of Israel come back and to Jerusalem. Within two years, you'll see that. Well, as it turns out, within two months, he would die himself. And this is what... Uh, uh, this is what happened uh, to him. And so it's uh, one of the abuses, by the way, and I believe in prophetic gifts. I really do. And I, I certainly encourage anyone with a, a prophetic gift uh, to, to exercise it in our church body. But um, one of the abuses I see around the body of Christ are just really, really general prophecies that happen and they're almost always just really really good things you know and and you see some of this in sort of the fringes of the charismatic movement that will prophesy um, you know to uh, on someone and they'll quote Isaiah 54 you know expand the, the you know to expand the uh, your, your, the ten pegs and broaden out because the Lord is going to prosper you and he's going to uh, you know do all kinds of just wonderful things in your life but it, they often they lack specificity and it's just a way of sort of getting away with Really, again, t- misrepresenting the name of the Lord, just speaking the no- Lord's name in vain. So they can't be caught, essentially, what's a lie. They are lying, but it's, sort of, it's, it's such a general lie, they can't really go back to them and say, hey, you know, this thing that you said uh, didn't really happen. Well, you know, it may happen sometimes in the future. future. Here, two, w- w- you know, he, he, it says before the year ends, you shall die. That's a specific prophecy. Of course, we know that most prophecy is not dealing with the future. It's dealing with situations in people's lives right now and declaring truth and speaking into the situations in their life. And I believe that happens every Sunday morning here at our church uh, and even Sunday evening. But there is predictive prophecy. And uh, um, here you see this ain't this ain't no general prophecy. This is before the year ends. You're gonna die, and he died two months later. Verse chapter twenty nine nine. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainders of the elders who were carried away captive. So this is a very interesting chapter. We'll read one of the verses here in Jeremiah that you hear oft quoted. Uh, many, many uh, oft-quoted verse here, uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 11. But uh, 
this is actually a letter. And um, by the way, that prophecy, for I know the thoughts that I have for you, I know the plans that I have for, uh, for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, no, to give you a future and a hope. The NIV says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That was actually in a letter. You hear that, that, that verse a lot. It's a wonderful verse. And we as Christians uh, can really step into that and really claim that as a prophet, because it, uh, a, a promise, because it really is true of us. But um, it actually was put in a letter, that verse, a letter that Jeremiah, who's sort of, Jeremiah is hanging back in Jerusalem. Much of the population has been taken prisoner and basically carted back to Babylon 900 miles away. Jeremiah is dealing with these false prophets in Jerusalem trying to get the king to rebel. Eventually they succeed. But the people of Babylon are dealing with the same thing. They have false prophets there telling them what they want to hear. That, oh, they're going to be going back to Jerusalem really, really soon. And this Nebuchadnezzar guy is going to get overthrown. Don't worry about it. And so Jeremiah sends them a letter which looks and feels a lot like what he has been telling the people in Jerusalem. And again, it's during Zedekiah's reign, uh, which was between 597 and 587 B.C. It was before 587 where Nebuchadnezzar... Zedekiah finally rebels and Nebuchadnezzar says, that's it. I've come here twice and tried to settle things down. Didn't work. I'm just wiping them out. So he writes this letter in, in verse 1. It says, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So remember, among others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel were among those who were taken captive. They would have received this letter. In fact, we'll read this in a little bit. Uh, Daniel, in his prophecy, quotes the, uh, uh, this letter. He actually quotes it, which is a really interesting fact. Uh, verse 2, this happened after Jeconiah, the king, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the prince of... Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the, and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. So Jeconiah is right there. That's a reference in verse 2 to, uh, to, to Jeconiah right here, who Nebuchadnezzar dragged back to uh, Babylon and made him prisoner there. So again, that's, that's what it's talking about there in verse 2. This happened after Jeconiah the king had departed from Jerusalem. Verse 3, the letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to, to Babylon. So we've, it says he caused it. And so we've been talking about recently, be careful about always using the word, well, God allowed this to happen. He allowed this thing in my life. Well, sometimes, many times actually, he actually causes these seasons of affliction. Verse 5, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. He's saying, settle down there in Babylon. This, this is from the Lord. The Lord wants to bring you there, has brought you there for you to recover. You have been behaving like pagans, worshiping foreign idols, practicing child sacrifice, practicing sexual uh, ritualized prostitutions in, in temples for generations. You guys need to go there. You need to reestablish yourself with the Lord there in this foreign place. And he's telling them, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. 
It's amazing that the Lord used Egypt where eventually the children of Israel were enslaved there, but he used Egypt really to make them into a mighty nation. They went from 70 people to 1.5 million. So it's amazing what the Lord does sometimes in our lives in these seasons where we think we're like being in prison. We're in this terrible time. He's using it to for a period of restoration and building up. Verse, verse 7, interesting verse. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. So that's really interesting. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, what? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And these people had taken them prisoner. Many of them had been treated incredibly harshly. The the king himself was uh, in prison. Uh, A later king would actually let him out of prison, but I don't think Nebuchadnezzar just kept him in his prison cell, Jeconiah. And here he was saying, pray or seek the peace of the city. Don't be thinking in your heart, oh God, just I, I just pray for an enemy to come and wipe them out or a lightning bolt to take out these people. You know, you can imagine the hatred that was stored, stirred up in their heart. No. No, you need to take responsibility for this, your sin and the sin of your nation. Hang out where you are. Seek the peace of the city. Now, very interesting. During the 70-year exile period, the Babylonians were actually taken over by the Persians, and it was a completely peaceful transition. The city was not wiped out. And why do you think that happened? You think it had something to do with the fact that there were many, many, many Jews living there who were protected, who were the children of God? In fact, it, 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 according to historians, the Persians took over Babylon from, uh, from the Babylonians, and most of the Babylonians didn't even know it for two weeks that the king of Persia was the, the new king. It was that peaceful. And come on, let's not kid ourselves. It's obvious why that happened. The Lord, the children of the Lord were there. So seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. Pray to the Lord for it. This pagan, pagan country. And it was filled with idolatry, Babylon was. But they're supposed to pray for it. Not, oh, this terrible world around us. Oh, look at all the pagan, awful things that we're, they're doing, you know, you know, in my neighborhood and in my school and, 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 you know, around the country and city. No, pray for the United States of America. Don't sit around and curse the darkness and complain about how bad the world is. Pray for it. So it says, pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. There was a reason. It was a completely peaceful transition eventually. Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. Now that's an interesting one. They so badly wanted to go back to Jerusalem. They're dreaming about it happening and say, hey, guess what? I had a dream last night. We're going back to Jerusalem. Oh, really? That happens in dreams. Verse 9, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. Remember, Daniel at this time is a young lad. He's going to, this letter is going to get into his hands. And he's going to quote this letter, this 70 years. And Daniel, I think, chapter 9. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. So sorry, it's not going to be in a few years. It's going to be 70. (laughs) So let your sons, your daughters get married. They're going to have kids, buy houses, work there, prosper. And the verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. 
thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So they otherwise may be thinking, boy, we're in this place and we're sort of been put in the penalty box forever indefinitely. The Lord's angry at us and we're in this perpetual punishment. And the Lord says, no. You guys may be thinking that, but I know the thoughts that I have, that I think towards you. And they're thoughts of peace. And they're not of evil. And even in the midst of this evil people that you're living in, because idolatry was rampant there, my thoughts to you are of peace, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's the very nature of God. This is another oft-quoted verse in Jeremiah. People say, well, if Jesus is the only way, well, what about the person living in the middle of the jungle in the Amazon? The Bible says that God has made himself clear to those people, and if they seek him, they will find him. Either missionaries will be sent to them or whatever. And, uh, and this is true about God. He doesn't, the Lord doesn't play religious games. He doesn't do that with us. If we seek him, we will find him. Jesus said, seek and you will find. It's not well, if you seek me and then you do this little religious thing and that little religious thing and kind of like a hide-and-seek thing, maybe I'll reveal myself to you. No. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so he's telling them, in the midst of Babylon, in the midst of this this disciplined period, don't stop seeking me. Don't stop seeking after me. Verse 14, and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. So after 70 years, they will go back to Jerusalem because you have said, verse 15, because you have said, The Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in the city, and concerning your brethren who have not gone out with you into into captivity, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send on them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and will make them like rotten figs. You know, when there's a prophecy about you that you're going to become like a rotten fig, this is not a good day in your life. <laughs> what he's saying there, what is he saying there? What he's saying there is quit, quit hoping that you go back to Jerusalem because guess what? There's a rebellion happen there, happening there. They're refusing to submit to the Lord. They're refusing to submit to the authority that I have put over them. And because of that, they are going to be subject to terrible, terrible judgment, a famine, a pestilence, the sword. So don't wish you were like them and don't wish you were there in Jerusalem with, with them because this is what's coming to them. Rather, just cool out, you know, again, buy your houses, uh, seek the peace of the city that you're in, uh, take wives, beget sons and daughters, uh, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Because what's going to happen in Jerusalem, you don't even want to think about what's going to happen there. So don't believe these false prophets which are sending you uh, back there. Verse 18, and I will pursue them with the sword, with famine, with pestilence, and I will deliver them to the to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse and astonishment, a hissing and a reproach among all the nations where I've driven them, because they have not 
heeded my words, says the Lord, which I sent to them, my servant, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, neither would you heed, says the Lord. So just as it's it's really interesting to me that poor Jeremiah, <laughs> he's back there in Jerusalem dealing with this rebellion that's taking place, and the rebellion was against the Lord. People were, of course, waving the banner of patriotism, saying, you know, free Jerusalem, free Israel. And and let me tell you, and and don't throw rotten figs at me, you know, there, there can be a kind of patriotism that is completely worldly like this, that has nothing to do with God. And, and really, you, you, you sometimes see that in this country where, you know, all of a sudden sort of dedication to the flag and the people really become uh, supersede just obedience to the Lord. And really, you see this type of thing um, happen um, around the world patriotism can become like idolatry. And this was an example of it happening. False prophets coming and saying, don't submit to this time of discipline in your life. Don't do it. Of course, they weren't calling it a time of discipline. But don't, so don't submit to this yoke that is now over you. Rebel against it. Therefore, hear, verse 20, hear the word of the Lord, all you, who, you are, who are of the captivity whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, the son of Coliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who prophesy a lie to you in my name. Now, do me a favor. I know we have, you know, a few... Uh, we've had lots of pregnancies and that's been wonderful but, but guys, girls, don't name your kids Ahab please I, 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 I mean why someone a Jewish person uh, would name their kid Ahab after what that king did and look what happened to the guy he just turns into a liar himself and that's what Jezebel's uh, husband was like as well he was a liar so this guy Ahab is a liar and he's prophesying a lie and he, and uh, it says, Behold, I will deliver them, the middle of verse 21, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall slay them before your eyes. So no general prophecies here from Jeremiah. <laughs> He's writing a letter. Can you imagine reading this letter and Ahab reading this letter? And wow, oh wow, I, yeah. I'm going to be delivered into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, remember, he was the recipient of this letter. He got it first. So Jeremiah is basically telling him in this letter, hey, you know, you have a couple of guys. One guy's name is Ahab. The other guy is Zedekiah, which is, which is by the way, a different Zedekiah than a king Zedekiah. And then Nebuchadnezzar, oh, really? Where are these guys? And so verse 22, and because of them, a curse shall be taken up by all the captivity of Judah who are in Babylon, saying, the Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. Eek. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember what happened to them? Well, they were thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to that 90-foot pole, which Nebuchadnezzar said everyone needs to bow down to it. They refused, and uh, they got in there, and Nebuchadnezzar went up to it and says, what's up with this? These guys are just walking around in there, and there's a fourth guy in there, and he looks like the Son of God. Well, it was the Son of God, but nothing happened to him. Well, we learn here that this fiery furnace, this was like a common thing for this guy, Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and uh, they were through this guy Ahab and Zedekiah in it. And, and so a proverb uh, would be taken up against everybody who basically believed their lie. 
And the proverb was this, well, the Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. This is like this proverb that they began to use there, the exiled people. Verse 23, because they have done disgraceful things in Israel, have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives, and have spoken lying words in my name. Now, this is important. Second Peter speaks about in the last days, there are false prophets who will rise up and they will speak things that are not true and they will twist theology, twist the words of the Bible. That's what they'll be doing. And they'll be telling people whatever their itching ears want to hear. That's what they'll be doing out front in the face of the people. But Second Peter chapter 2 says, behind the scenes... They're seducing weak women and committing adultery and speaking lies. Listen, there's always a, there's a, when, when there's a false prophet prophesying lies, there's a lifestyle that goes on with that. And that's what we've seen here in the United States of America too. Some of these guys who are just getting filthy rich off their false prophecies. And here you have these guys who are going out to the people telling them what they want to hear. False prophets. And, and, and behind the scenes, what are they doing? They're committing adultery with their neighbor's wives and, and, and it says they've spoken lying words in my names, which I have not come, commanded them. Indeed, I know and am, wit, am, am a witness, says the Lord. So, you know, people who get up and say, say thus says the Lord and, 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 they, and they give false prophecies, so oftentimes there's a lifestyle behind it that's wicked. Verse 24, you shall also speak to Shemaiah the Nehalamite, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You have sent letters in your name to all the people who are at Jerusalem, to Zephaniah the son of Messiah, the priest, and to all the priests, saying, The Lord has made you priest instead of Jehoiada the priest, so that there should be officers in the house of the Lord over every man who is demented and considers himself a prophet, that you should put him in prison and in the stocks. So so I guess what's, what's going on here, apparently what happened, this guy, Shemaiah, who, again, another false prophet living in Babylon, gets a name for himself among the people, sends a letter back to Jerusalem, tries to depose the existing priest and, and, and every other priest uh, who is faithfully serving there with Jeremiah and, and is trying to, again, depose them and put in some other guy to, to prophesy lies. Now, therefore, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth who makes himself a prophet to you. So in, in this letter that this guy um, sends back to Jerusalem, he's telling him to rebuke this guy, Jer- <laughs> this guy, this prophet that we're reading, Jeremiah. For he has sent to us in Babylon, saying this captivity is long. Build houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat their fruit. Now Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Send to all those in captivity, saying, Thus says the Lord concerning Shemaiah the Nehemite, Because Shemaiah has prophesied to you, and I have not sent him, and he has caused you to trust in a lie, therefore... Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nehemite and his family. He shall not have anyone to dwell among his people, nor shall he see the good that I will do for my people, says the Lord, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord. And so Jeremiah, he is really... Uh, fighting a battle on two fronts. One is in Jerusalem where he is, but then things are happening in Babylon and the false prophets are rising up there speaking lies to those people and sending letters back uh, to Jerusalem to sort of prophesy against him, Jeremiah. And uh, so he sends this letter. And this letter, which by the way, has this wonderful prophetic word in it, 
again, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You see, what was going on, the people were in so much anxiety and they didn't have a peace because they're, what are we doing here? What are we doing here in the midst of this terrible pagan city with all these terrible things happening in the streets? And, and what are we doing here? And, and he's just telling him, listen, don't worry. The Lord is going to protect you there. And he has thoughts for you. Well, David says in the Psalms, is it Psalm 139? He says, if I could if I would number all the thoughts I have for you, well, I couldn't. I, they, they cannot even be numbered, the thoughts that the Lord has for us. And uh, this is the, the same idea. He, he, his, he has a heart for you, only do not rebel. Do not rebel. So yes, Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, uh, Daniel would have received this or heard this as a young lad, Seventy years later, at the very end of the 70-year exile, Daniel is uh, quoting this letter. In addition to that, in Second Chronicles, Cyrus, king of Persia, uh, also quotes this letter. And you see that uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 36, it says, to fill the word of the, verse 21 of Second Chronicles 36, says, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, um, there will be a 70-year exile until the land has enjoyed her Sabbaths. And so from the time the Sabbath was given, uh, the, the, the law regarding Sabbaths, meaning every seven years the land was uh, supposed to rest until this time, until the time of the exile had been 490 years. They had never obeyed that law, not even once. And so God said, until uh, the, the, the word is fulfilled, the word of the Lord is fulfilled, meaning that law is fulfilled, you guys are going to stay in exile. And so Jeremiah, this, this uh, famous letter with this uh, wonderful prophecy in it uh, towards his people, but also the, these really these foreboding and even terrible uh, prophecies towards the people who had uh, rebelled uh, against him. So anyway, we will pick up next week in, in chapter 30, but it's, it's wonderful to get this picture of this guy who is just in the, it's just one crisis after another, but he just stays faithful to the Lord. He's got people rebelling all around him uh, in the cities that he's in. He's getting, having people rebellion in other cities, sending letters to people in his city, and you just see this storm, but there's a peace in the midst of the storm. And it's one th- reason I, I love reading about Jeremiah and his faithfulness.